witness the zombie did call. True pain and suffering he brought to them all. Away ran the children to hide in their beds, for fear that the devil would chop off their heads. <laughs> Wonder doesn't fit on my wang. Radio Drome. Welcome to a very zombified Thursday night. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is Peter Meh Gajic. You dig through the ditches and fuck, 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 fuck. There we go. We've covered Rob Zombie. And and then we have Cecil, Rob Zombie apologist. What? How, <laughs> how am I the apologist? Because <laughs> that's what I've assigned you, boy. Oh, Christ. And joining us to analyze this director's unique filmography all the way from the future, because it's tomorrow for him, is Glenn Criddle. Hello there. It's uh, very, very early in the morning. I'm going to talk about some bad movies. It's a hell of a mix. It is. You know what else is a hell of a mix? AdamandEve.com. You go to AdamandEve.com, use the promo code DROME. D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free Power O-Ring, O stands for orgasm, and free U.S. shipping. So Glenn and Peter can't get one, but Cecil, you can. Use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. But I need like an O-Ring for my car. I think it's a different (laughs) kind of O-Ring, but okay. Oh, no wonder. It doesn't fit on my wang. Tonight we're going to look at the filmography of a very maligned man. Rob Zombie. This man's filmography is unique to say the least. Rob Zombie is kind of hard to pigeonhole, yet incredibly easy to pigeonhole. He has a unique vision that is very much his own. You can look at a Rob Zombie movie and you immediately can go, that's Rob Zombie's style. That said, he doesn't make good movies. Without going into specifics, what do you think of Rob Zombie as a film director? He made two good movies and then he shit himself. If you want me to kind of go uh, not not get too much into detail, because we will obviously cover all of his movies, that's how I feel. I feel like he started really strong, and then he fell over, crapped his pants, and then limped all the way home just leaking shit until he got to a toilet. Like, that's what I see his career as. Peaked really early. Should be making better movies. He's capable of it. One of the problems that Rob Zombie has is, with the exception of a concert film and his CSI Miami episode, he's written all of his own movies, and he's not a good writer. I think he actually is a good director, 31 not, mm-hmm. notwithstanding. We'll get into that. He's He's got a beautiful eye. He knows how to set up shots. He has, like I said, a style that's all of his own, yet he can't write Shit. He seems to have taken the the mantra, started to emerge in the late 90s, of flawed characters. You know, people like Tony Soprano that do these awful things, but you can still root for them because they're human. He seems to have misunderstood that, and all he writes, both villains and heroes, in every single thing he's touched is fucking assholes. He, mm-hmm. he writes fucking assholes. His characters, you want every single one, good guy and bad guy, to die. So they shut up. Yep. 
We'll get into the specifics on each film, but there's not a likable character in a single movie of his, and that seems to be one of his trademarks, is everyone's a fucking asshole. Before we even get into his film career, we need to talk about the film he didn't make. His first film was not supposed to be House of a Thousand Corpses. In 1997, he was tasked with writing, and he was most likely going to direct, Crow 2037, An Age of Gods and Monsters. You can already see with The Age of Gods and Monsters, the quote from Bride of Frankenstein, his love of the horror genre coming out. What this was going to be, this was written prior to City of Angels tanking at the box office, this was supposed to be a pretty unique take on the Crow mythos. Essentially, an evil sorcerer in a in the far-flung future of 2010, remember this was 1997, in the far-flung future of 2010, he had his witch advisor tell him that a boy named Belial would be his downfall. So he had Belial killed at age 10. His spirit was then resurrected by the crow, but as a child, he didn't know what to do with it. So the world turns to shit, and it jumps to 2037, where there's mutants and cyborgs and space travel, and it's just this giant, insane reality. Belial is now a complete and utter badass bounty hunter because the crow powers give him the ability to see the evil in people, and he eventually takes down Damien, which... Closes the circle, that's what the witch saw. Probably would have been a very expensive movie, but it would have been a really interesting crow movie. And then yeah. City of Angels came out, and nope, never <laughs> happened. Do you think that would have been an interesting crow film, especially knowing what we know about Rob Zombie down the line? That sounds badass. Like, I would have really enjoyed that, and I think they should still maybe make it uh, maybe as like an animated movie or something, because the concept sounds like a lot of fun if handled well. This being Rob Zombie before he even did, you know, House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects, which to me are good movies. This would have been, in my opinion, probably like at least like a good popcorn movie to to put on and watch with like a group of friends and stuff. Like it sounds like like a pretty solid, fun action film using the crow mythos in a, in a pretty cool and original way. Like it's almost uh, it almost has like a 2000 AD tinge to it, which I'm always up for that anyway. Well, I know uh, he wrote a uh, a crow novel, like after the Brandon Lee movie came out, there were a bunch of uh, people that did uh, crow novels. I think there was like about four or five of them. And I know his was one. Uh, I never read it, but I was always curious to read what his take would be on it. So I'm sure that maybe stemmed somehow from this. I don't think it was quite yeah. that elaborate, but uh, I think it was uh, I think it was a little bit more what you would think of when you think Rob Zombie doing the crow. Sounds really cool. And that was one of my biggest things with the crow is that if you're going to do something with a movie that's that iconic you can't do the exact same thing which is unfortunately not what they did with the crow city of angels but then it's what the studio made into city of angels city of angels was actually mm. quite different and then actually when cecil not only think about it, isn't this blair witch syndrome yeah this is big time blair witch syndrome they uh they kind of wanted one you know the they had an idea to do this that was really kind of off the beaten path like blair witch or yeah blair witch 2 and the studio was like no we really want you know this so yeah i think it was uh we really want this it's something completely different and then they were like no we wanted this and then they ended up making you know that so i would have really liked to have seen that because it's possible 
while we wouldn't have gotten City of Angels, which I still think there is hope if they can eventually release the director's cut, I think that uh, it's possible that the it may have kind of continued from there. I mean, Rob Zombie's career definitely would have gone in a different direction. I think the idea sounds interesting for sure. Whether Rob Zombie could have actually pulled it off at that point, I don't know. He would still have to have gotten over a lot of the problems that his films do tend to have, not least the writing and the fact that, you know, with the Crow movie, do you really want a film that everybody hates the characters in? It, although it's an interesting idea, I think it's something that he could probably do better at some point in the future uh, rather than at that point. That That's kind of how I, I feel about that in, in terms of it's a fairly complicated idea and I think it's an idea that needs um, a certain amount of subtlety and let's face it, something like his first film, his first actual film, wasn't really that subtle. Now, before he made House of a Thousand Corpses in 2003, it was actually made before that, but it came out in 2003, he'd been directing some of his own music videos, therefore solidifying what his visual style would be. So then he went to Universal, even though the film eventually came out from Lionsgate, he went to Universal and made House of a Thousand Corpses, which I like and I don't like. It's a blatant Texas Chainsaw Massacre ripoff, to the point where almost being plagiaristic of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's really well directed. It's really poorly written. I really like some of his editing choices. Gorgeous cinematography for the most part. I think the alternating of the film stocks, the way he uses silence, Walton Goggins' death scene with the Walt Whitman song playing and then the silence as the long, long crane shot comes up, all done in slow motion, is brilliant. And Mm. he had the right tone. It was the script that was the problem. House of a Thousand Corpses, when Universal saw it, they went, nope, not happening. So (laughs) it sat on the shelf for a couple of years until, through his albums, he was able to raise the money to buy it back and eventually came out from Lionsgate. And it was not very warmly received. I like it. I I do think it's it's definitely the start of what I felt like was going to be a promising series of films from a... Obviously, the, the guy does have vision. He does. He, his directing is pretty spot on. He's great with great with color, great with composition. His edits are really nice. His movies do have like a genuine exploitation feel to them. Like they they don't feel like that faux or homage exploitation that we're getting with a lot of movies like you know Planet Terror or or Hubble with a Shotgun. Like House of a Thousand Corpses really felt like a genuine '70s early '80s slasher sleaze movie. And I sort of see Rob Zombie the same way that I see Quentin Tarantino, is both are very good at making glorified fan movies. Quentin Tarantino is clearly obsessed with black exploitation and Italian exploitation tough on crime movies. He obviously loves that shit. That's what most of his movies are. He's very good at it. He's very good at doing somebody else's sort of style or something that he's picked up. Whereas Rob Zombie, obsessed with Toby Hooper. I think this is obvious. He's obsessed with Toby Hooper's early films, in particular the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Because it seems to me like he's making that movie over and over again. We'll get into that later, obviously. But the House of a Thousand Corpses is absolutely a Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan movie. Pretty much is. There, there's even a character that wears a mask and is kind of half retarded and huge and lumbering, like fucking Leatherface. Like, tell me Tiny isn't meant to be Leatherface. Like, it's pretty obvious. I love it though. Like, Bill Mosley's performance is stellar. Uh, obviously Sid Haig is great. It's interesting in that it's one of those horror movies where the villains are such savage 
pieces of shit that they end up actually being really cool. Like it's that, it's that sort of Henry portrait of a serial killer or American psycho syndrome where you've got these total son of a bitch characters, but they're so interesting and so over the top that you, you end up, you're enjoying the, the movie. You're watching it and waiting for their, their events to unfold because they're so fiendish that they just want to see what happens next. That's cool in a, in a horror movie when, when that ends up happening because it's very different. It's very subversive. Little did we know that he would just eventually start making every character an asshole for the rest of time. But House of a Thousand Corpses, I really enjoy. I enjoy the score. I enjoy the whole general look of the movie. Plot was cool. It, it's something that when I watched it, I got excited for more Rob Zombie, which is just sad if you think about it. That's really, really depressing. I liked it. Probably, I'd say the first, like, mm, 75% or so, I was very much enjoying. I thought it goes it off really... the rails in the third act, yeah. Yeah, it goes off <laughs> yes, the rails way, like, in the third act. Like, to the point of where I was not expecting it at all. And I, I kind of like sometimes when a movie does that, where it really throws you for a curveball. But I was enjoying the previous bit so much that when it went that far, it was like, <laughs> all right, this is, like, just like another movie almost and that can the work Dr. satan stuff yeah all the dr <laughs> satan stuff it was like it just felt yeah. like he he really wanted to work some dr satan in there and i didn't particularly think that it fit i didn't ruin the movie for me but it's just i would have enjoyed probably a lot more if they would have went you know uh, um, i don't want to say a more standard direction but like kind of where the movie was going and uh, just was just insane the way that they uh, ended it up. Uh, I still liked it though. I thought that it was good. I thought that uh, visually it showed a lot of promise. It was uh, very much Texas Chainsaw, you know, homage, ripoff, whatever you want to call it. Lots of uh, shots of his wife's ass is <laughs> kind of kind of has become his thing. I mean, you know, making her ass a national treasure. It's, uh, it was good. Effects wise were good. It was very slick. I enjoyed it. I thought that it was uh, a nice, a good start for him to uh, kind of start to do actual horror movies as opposed to directing music videos. Because it didn't feel like a music video, which is kind of what I was worried about, was that uh, it was going to be like a lot of that wave that we got right around that time where um, Michael Bay started hiring all his buddies to do the Platinum Dunes movies. And uh, they all just were these slick, uh, you know, not gritty horror movies. And they, they had no soul and they looked bad. And this, I thought it had soul. I thought it looked really good. And I thought it was not shot like a music video. Yeah, I remember the first time I watched it, I actually turned it off about halfway through. I I couldn't <laughs> struggle through all the asshole characters. The that includes the good are... guys too. Exactly, that's the, the thing. Victims the victims are so you're... unlikable in this thing. <laughs> you are you are introduced <laughs> to these people that you are supposed to give at least a minuscule bit of a shit about, and it's like. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm, I don't care that they're getting hacked up. And the problem <laughs> is, there's, there's no stakes. There's no stakes for this film. Cause even the bad guys, the bad guys weren't particularly, uh, they, they went so far that they went beyond being charismatic. That was the problem. There wasn't really anything you could read for me that I, I could latch onto and go, I'm actually sort of behind these people. Cause you've got these irredeemable, horrible people on one side and then these irredeemable, horrible people on the other side. And it's like, you're just surrounded by these people. It's just this big melee of nasty people doing nasty things to each other. So there was that, that's the biggest problem for me. Um, visually, it looks great. It does look great. It, although it, it is, um, as we've been said, it's, um, regurgitated Toby Hooper, 
Yeah, I mean, you can take homage so far until it just becomes a weird sort of parody, and it's that's that's what I really, really struggled with. Funny enough, though, the second time I watched it for the purposes of doing this, I actually enjoyed it a lot more. Not to the point that I could go, it's a good movie, but I managed to sit through it without wanting to punch myself. So, <laughs> yeah, that's progress, man. It is. <laughs> House of a Thousand Corpses wasn't exactly well-received, but it wasn't hated either. Eventually, now that he owns the characters, since he bought them from Universal, he made a sequel, The Devil's Rejects, which he went in a completely different direction. Instead of being kind of, you know, that Toby Hooper rip-off, funhouse kind of aesthetic that House was, he went for a gritty 70s-style road movie. And I loved I loved Devil's Rejects. I thought, th- this is what I, th- I actually thought was, holy crap, Rob used up his mistake film on House, and he <laughs> is really going to be a director to be reckoned with. Obviously, yeah. I'm wrong. But at the time, I thought Devil's Rejects was fantastic. I loved the direction. I loved the new casting. A couple of cast members had to be changed. I thought William Forsythe actually stole this movie from yeah. Bill Mosley and Sid Haig as the sy- almost psychotic police detective. I thought Devil's Rejects was a fantastic film. It has some problems. I know Glenn has some major problems with it, which I don't. I thought the soundtrack was great. Unfortunately, he did fall a little into what Cecil was afraid House would would turn into is that this would be a giant music video. There are basically five music videos built within this movie, where it's whole sequences built around playing an entire classic rock song cut to that song. Except it works here. I loved Devil's Rejects. Uh, yeah, Devil's Rejects was such a solid follow-up to House of a Thousand Corpses. And again, it was that excitement of, wow, you know, Rob Zombie's awesome. You know, I love his music, and I'm enjoying his movies, and this is really going good. And it still had a bit of that, like, Toby Hooper feel to it. But again, I'm not bothered by it. I think he does it well. He's obviously a huge fan of, like, 70s and 80s drive-in horror movies. And this was such an, an awesome throwback to that, like, 70s road movie style. There's just so many great moments in that movie. Um, the use of the soundtrack is great. It's got a, just such an awesome look to it. It, it looks and feels like a, a late 70s, early 80s Toby Hooper sleazy slasher movie. Again, just like, you know, House, House did, but in a different sort of way. Cause, you know, as you said, they went from the fun house, lots of colors thing to more of, you know, the grid and the grain of, the back roads and the the hot summer sun and, and stuff like that. And I really, really loved what he did with it. And God, yeah, William Forsythe absolutely steals this movie. His character is so intense and so awesome and badass. And he really does walk that line very close to almost being a villain or, you know, a bad guy himself just because of how psychotically motivated he is to to catch the what are they the firefly gang or what the fuck are they called again the firefly the, family yes yeah he was really intent on on catching them and that was it was um like obviously everybody's an asshole in in that movie but for some reason foresight he works because he's meant to be you know this like true grit total badass cop character and you you do i i rooted for him i rooted for him that whole movie i wanted him to to kill the firefly gang i really did i was actually disappointed when he uh when he ends up dying at the end this guy you know they killed his brother he deserves to get his get his come up and and obviously i'm such a huge fan of like vigilante justice shit so i was obviously rooting for the hard-boiled cop to win but that shows that rob zombie does know how to how to write character to a degree his writing is definitely his weak point maybe not as much as 
Eli Roth, but I think Rob Zombie does know how to write certain characters. He just really does, unfortunately, now completely rely on every character being an asshole rather than having a couple characters that are flawed, some real assholes and, you know, evil, bad characters. But this was, um, this one showed such, such promise and was, God, such an improvement over House. And, and House was, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good movie. And this is one of those cases, much like, say, like Aliens or, or Terminator 2 or whatever, where this actually ended up being on a, on a very technical level better than the first movie. And I thought he did a fantastic job of that. And again, I was excited. I was like, we're going to get another, another really awesome Rob Zombie movie. And, uh, yeah, then, uh, Halloween happened. I, uh, I genuinely love Devil's Rejects. I think it's just a terrific movie. It's brutal. It's mean spirited. It, uh, it does have characters that are assholes. Like everybody is awful works here because the actors are all so good and mm. you do end up like you, you're rooting for the, uh, the Firefly family you're rooting for the cops you're rooting you know and a lot of times the firefly family did things that were really awful and you kind of were against them for a little while then the cops did something that was really awful and then you were against them for a while so it was like you really didn't it was uh the the movie where you really didn't know who to root for and mm. i like that because it makes it that much more intriguing it's like okay well uh is this a movie where i'm just kind of supposed to sit back and watch and maybe not necessarily root for anybody you know maybe they're all just awful and it it worked in this case the music video portion uh, yeah i do agree like it it worked i don't like he made it work it didn't so much feel like a music video it just kind of felt like an interlude and there's so many movies that have tried to do that and haven't been able to do that and this it, it did it and they did it flawlessly and uh keeping my hopes up i was very happy with uh, how well this was and how much he improved after doing a house of a thousand corpses and i was expecting just really great great wonderful things from him in the future after this really i think out of out of the entire filmography of rob zombie was probably one of the biggest disappointments for me it's superficially it looks it looks lovely uh, again it's another film that uh, rob zombie really did make look very very nice but um again we've got a bunch of characters who are absolutely detestable and any charity that i was supposed to have towards like the cop character would just went completely out the window as soon as he opened his mouth and starts spouting all the biblical stuff you know so you've got this whole kind of setup where again everybody's a bastard and then it goes into this this whole kind of um routine of uh, yeah we're supposed to hate the firefly family uh, family to start with um so we get the first half of the movie that um they're doing all this really despicable horrible horrible stuff that we're supposed to be horrified by and then on a dime it just switches around and then we're supposed to like them this um, there's this massive swing with emotional blackmail that uh, i'm supposed to go oh now i feel sorry for sherry moon zombie when she's been beaten the shit out of when just 20 minutes ago she was torturing some innocent person so I kind of sat there and I go, why, why should I care about you? I, I can't care about you. I, I, I've got no emotional investment. These people get away nice and comfortable and have a good life. And I mean, when it comes to the music as well, I mean, I just get this feeling, especially with, uh, Devil's Rejects that the way the music is, is used. And, um, believe me, the, the, the music is very cool. I love the music in it. I love all those tracks that, uh, that are used in that. But the problem is, it never felt like it was appropriate in its positioning. 
it's kind of put in there as a sort of uh, way of playing on the on the nostalgia of that particular piece of music. It it kind of tries to steal some of the goodwill that that music would have and the good feelings that that music would have and transplant them in the movie. So all of this stuff's going on um, and you get to the, the finale and it's Freebird and I'm kind of going, why are you using this piece of music? Why are you using this track, which, you know, it has very strong meanings, very strong connotations for what's, uh, for what the lyrics mean? You know, usually when you use a track, there's some sort of relationship between the two. So I'm kind of going, well, why? Why Why is this here? Am I supposed to look at these horrible, horrible people and think that they're somehow, I, I don't know, free spirits? It, it doesn't work for me. I think that's the worst thing about this movie for me, is I constantly felt like I was being manipulated. And if you're going to manipulate people, and let's face it, your filmmaking is as much of a process of doing that with your audience. Don't make it so damn obvious. And and don't give me characters that are utterly irredeemable and then go, well, I've redeemed them because no, you haven't. No, you haven't in the slightest. I spent even the second half of that movie just watching them getting the everlasting uh, crud kicked out of them. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so, I, I I don't know where it was going. It didn't it didn't make the point for me. And it's a real shame because it is a beautiful looking film. To a great extent, it's actually quite an enjoyable film if you can ignore all of that stuff. I couldn't because Rob Zombie seemed to be really pushing that that feeling that I'm supposed to like these people. And it failed spectacularly on that point. When it came to the end, it was a very empty experience. Then the next thing he did was not a movie. He did the Werewolf Women of the SS trailer for Grindhouse, which I think is the best of all the fake trailers. And I loved the Machete trailer, the Don't trailer. And, you know, Thanksgiving was meh, but that's Eli Roth. He can't write. Werewolf Women of the SS was a fun-as-hell trailer. Udu Kier and Bill Mosley and Tom Tolles and Sybil Danning and Nicolas Cage as Fu Manchu. Out of all of the, the Grindhouse trailers, this is the one that felt the most authentic to like you could believe this was a real movie that was lost somehow in the 70s and i loved the werewolf women of the ss trailer again gorgeous it looks amazing even though he didn't have a script he shot over 30 minutes of usable footage to the point where he said basically has a third of of a movie here he just they don't Hmm. connect at all yeah that was one of the better uh better trailers in grindhouse for sure me, along with uh, many, many other people, including, uh, including obviously yourself and with Cecil, would really love to see that. Uh, would have really loved to have seen that become uh, a feature-length film. I would have much rather have seen that than something like uh, Hobo with a Shotgun. Like, there's not really much to say. Like, seeing Nicolas Cage as Fu Manchu, like, makes me f***ing laugh my ass off every time. And it really, it looks awesome. And it's, you know, it's it's Nazi exploitation meets werewolves. And it actually looks like a lot of fun. And, and again, the... The unfortunate promise of of a Rob Zombie that could have been, and just the the depression sinks in further and further. I liked it, and I think um, I kind of was in the camp of I wanted all of those trailers to be made into movies. I think that uh, that might have been a little bit of what they were doing. Uh, if they, I mean, they were having fun, but it was also kind of a pitch. It was like, mm-hmm. hey, you know. And I think that if Grindhouse would have done better. 
than they probably would have all happened. I mean, I'm happy that Hobo with a Shotgun got done because I thought that that was fantastic. A lot of people were expecting Thanksgiving to happen. You know, out of all of them, that seemed like, you know, the one that that probably would have gone through. But, you know, it just seemed that that was the only one that happened. Uh, But, yeah, I would have really liked that. It would have definitely been a better direction for him to go than where he did go. Uh, great trailer. I think it, it would probably be handled very badly as a movie, but I think it's a very good example of how Rob Zombie is very good at setting up little self-contained scenes. Being a trailer, it doesn't have to worry about characterization or any of that kind of stuff. It doesn't have to worry about being uh, first-class writing. It's about putting something which is fairly dynamic together, and in that respect, it's, it, it's probably one of the formats that he's very, very... Uh, lent to, you know, I mean, it is, it is what it is. It's a, it's a short film and we don't have time or the opportunity to dislike anything that's particularly within it because it's, uh, it's there and then it's gone. It's out the way. So yeah, I think it's a great example of, um, the best of his filmmaking, the things that he's best lent to. Well, then unfortunately he started to decide, I don't want to make even remotely good movies anymore. He was tasked with making the Halloween remake. I thought, you know, on the surface, Rob Zombie with his aesthetic, his obvious love of the genre, and his obvious love of the original Halloween, he actually could make a good Halloween remake. Wow, was I wrong. He showed (laughs) just how much he completely misunderstood the original. Instead of saying, Michael Myers is this force of nature that you don't understand and is completely irrational. He said, you know what? I'm going to give him a tragic backstory. A stripper mom will throw in all of the white trash aesthetic and abusive stepdad. We're going to show you why he's so damaged. And on paper, that's not necessarily bad, but it takes away all mystique. From Michael Myers. And then, again, yeah. because Rob Zombie wrote this, there's not a single likable character in this. I don't know if Laurie Strode could have been a likable character, but Scout Taylor Compton does not have the range to give her anything other than being a whiny bitch. In this film, she is nothing but a whiny bitch who you want to shut up. And every single person in this movie, with the exception of Danny Trejo, weirdly enough, is a horrible, horrible human being. Every single character, from the cops to Loomis. Loomis, he has turned Loomis into such an incompetent that I can't believe he was still a doctor at this point. Because he was so incompetent. The movie is got the white trash aesthetic that Rob Zombie is known for. Yet, strangely enough, a lot of his visual style does not show up in this one. He made a bunch of weird decisions. Now, obviously, the first 20 minutes or so take place as a flashback. Fine. I wasn't sure for a while when this movie was supposed to take place. Because it's filled with classic movies, classic rock, old hairstyles, old car styles, even old sayings. I'm like, oh, so this movie takes place somewhere in like the early 90s or something. Nope, they have cell phones. This place takes place in 2007. Some weird alternate world where 2007 is still stuck with classic rock and nobody ever watches a movie on DVD and everyone has VHS and f*** you, Rob Zombie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I'll start off with what irritates me the most about this movie, and it's uh, when people defend it, they say, well, he went in a new direction. He he did something different with the Michael Myers character. It was uh, it was the good kind of remake. It was where they tried to do something different. Okay, look, sure, he did. He changed the backstory. 
What did he change it to? Jason fucking Voorhees. It's a Friday the 13th movie. It's not Halloween. He changed it to the point where it was literally just swapping characters out and in every single possible way. Michael Myers went from being more of a, a lanky sort of shadowy shape figure that's more on the thin side to a massive hulking son of a bitch, much like Jason Voorhees. Michael Myers went from a kid with a well-adjusted childhood that randomly stabbed the shit out of his sister for some reason. Maybe he got possessed by some evil demon or some shit we never know. That's the mystique of his character. Now, he was a bullied little kid with uh, the only friend in the world was his mother. Jason fucking Voorhees. Like, everything. And even... Ah, oh, he even kills for mommy. Like, I know we're going to get into Halloween, too, but there's that whole thing of Sherry Moon Zombie literally says kill for mommy while she's riding a white horse for some fucking reason. I cannot stand the Halloween remake. It, it drove me fucking nuts when I watched it because the whole bullying angle, it's like, OK, fine, I, I get it. This is this is the backstory for a lot of like slasher killer characters and shit like that. But don't give me the shit like, oh, he went an original route. He didn't want to do the same thing. He did Friday the 13th. That's all he fucking did. He just changed the characters around. He gave him a different backstory, but it was an already well-established backstory and physical stature and motivation. You know, he, he turned Michael Myers from, as you said, an unpredictable just force of nature that we don't know whether he's like possessed or if he just snapped out of nowhere or what. That's what made him scary is the fact that he doesn't have motivation. He just does. And it's scary. Whereas this... It's it's Jason. We've seen it before. It's literally Jason Voorhees. It's a huge, unkillable dude who's killing for mommy who was bullied as a child. Fuck you, Rob Zombie. Uh, initially, the um, the whole thing for, for Rob Zombie doing Halloween was because they were going to make a Halloween remake regardless. It was going to happen. And Rob mm-hmm. Zombie uh, was looking to do something else at the time. I don't know what, but he was looking to do something else at the time. And they presented him with it. And it was, in, in his notion, it was like, okay, since this is going to happen with or without me, why don't I take a crack at it as somebody who is a Halloween fan? I'll do it. I'll try to do something, uh, you know, put put my own unique spin on it and unfortunately he went in with really good intentions and i'm pretty sure the movie was a success uh they, they wouldn't have uh cranked you know wanted to crank it out was a, a, it was a success play. financially but not with critics or fans it didn't ruin the original for me the old you know uh, rape my childhood and all this stuff like that doesn't bother me it's just a lot of times with remakes and all that stuff it's just i see it as well instead of trying to take something that's already perfect why don't you take that money and invest it in something else? Why are you going to try to to do this again? You're not going to be able to capture lightning in a bottle again. You occasionally they manage to do uh, good remakes that are as good, and sometimes they end up being better than uh, the original. But the vast majority of the time, they're cash ins. And this, uh, I think, he went in with really good intentions and just ended up making a piece of shit. I'm going to be slightly controversial here. I actually, I actually rather enjoyed it on a certain level. And I, I know <laughs> Peter doesn't like this, uh, that argument that at least he tried to do something with the character. The thing is, I mean, in the originals, throughout the entire franchise of the original films, the Michael Michael, uh, Michael Myers character wasn't really a character. He was this sort of presence, a sort of, uh, that, that force. To be honest, I think by the time the second had done, I'd pretty much done with the character. Most of the, Subsequent ones after that, I, I've watched once and I have no desire to go back to. So in some respects, I kind of admire the fact that he was trying to 
push the boundaries on it a little bit and, and make something of it. But unfortunately, he falls back into that trap that Rob Zombie always falls into. He can't write. He can't write the stories. And one of the worst thing is it, it just doesn't have any consistency. That's the biggest flaw with this film is there's no consistency because we have this whole build-up of this Michael Myers, uh, Michael Myers character uh, throughout the first half of the film and then suddenly he just becomes, again, the original Michael Myers for no reason. We don't know why he's suddenly this super strong, invincible creature. He's gone from being this human and deliberately being made as a human being into being made into an unstoppable killing machine that can be shot with the biggest bloody handgun that you can imagine and still get up and do all this, shall we say, energetic physical activity, chasing a whole bunch of characters who are, again, not very, not really in the place where we can sympathise with them. I mean, I kind of enjoyed it on, on a certain level, but it's not a good film. It doesn't really compare to the first one, because, I mean, the first one is such a fine piece of filmmaking and I, I say that as someone who isn't a massive Halloween fan even of the first one uh, I can respect that film but I don't particularly enjoy it and maybe maybe that's uh, because I don't have that attachment I can watch the Rob Zombie one and still find something a little bit enjoyable in it audiences liked it enough as Cecil said that it made a profit so they made Halloween 2 now Halloween 2 was interesting in how it got made at the time, Rob Zombie was trying to make a movie called Tyrannosaurus Rex, which would be kind of stealing a little bit from his Crow script. It would be a post-apocalyptic biker movie, and it was going to have Danny Trejo and Sid Haig and all this in it. The reason we've never seen this movie is, he said, it's just for various reasons, people's unavailability and you know shooting time and whatnot. Tyrannosaurus Rex will probably never happen. The studio said... We want you to make Halloween 2. He said, I don't want to make Halloween 2. They said, okay, you make Halloween 2 for us, and we will make anything you want in response. So he thought by making Halloween 2, he could make Tyrannosaurus Rex. Halloween 2, until I until we get to 2013's Lords of Salem, I thought was one of the worst horror movies I have ever seen in my entire life. This movie was a hate to the horror genre. He said, oh yeah, all that stuff you didn't like about the first remake? I'm not only doubling down on that, I'm going to fill the entire movie with this. Every character is now such a shrieking she-bat that you, you actively want them to die. Michael Myers and Loomis are complete, completely irredeemable. Loomis has been turned, he, he fell victim to Rob Zombie asshole syndrome. He is so unlikable when Michael finally speaks and does die, die, die. I was like, oh my god, thankfully Loomis is finally dead. And then the ending comes up and when that horrible cover of Love Hurts starts playing, I actively started laughing. And then there's this all this crap with his mom is now a ghost figure, because you got to find a way to get Sherry Moon back into this movie since she killed herself in the first film. His mom is now a ghost with a white horse, and then there's young, I almost said Jason right there, young Michael Myers there <laughs> as ghosts egging him on and telling him to kill for them. And then there's this weird psychic connection between Laurie Strode and him. And, oh my God, this movie was bad like i said worst horror movie i've ever seen until the next one uh, oh fuck. It's, it, it is it's worse it's even worse than the first one i i don't even know if i want to try conjuring up 
the reasons why I hate it or really giving any kind of a reason because for fuck's sake I need to I need to stop being so tense and angry because I'm, I'm getting ulcers lately. In Halloween 2 is just a joke. It's, it's, Loomis is such a bastardization of what that character used to embody. Michael Myers is even more like Jason in this movie. He doesn't even look like Michael fucking Myers anymore. He's wearing this big, like, hobo jacket with a hood on and this giant beard sticking out through the mask and all this stuff. He looks like fucking more like Madman Mars or some shit. Oh my god. Oh, the fucking shit with Sherry Moon on the white horse. As if Laurie Strode could not have become more unlikable. Rob Zombie found a way to do oh, it. Oh, God. Every character is just disgusting human being. Like, you you wanted them all to die, but then at the same time, you hate Myers, too, because he's such a complete shitheel version of the character. You just want somebody to show up that doesn't belong in that movie and just kill them. Nick Castle to show up as real Michael Myers and just fucking slaughter everybody. It's a horrible, horrible piece of filmmaking. Nothing about it is good. It, I don't know. I guess it's shot kind of nicely, maybe, but... Bad, stupid, fucking retarded movie, and it makes me upset. Well, there's there's one scene in this movie that makes me think Rob Zombie was doing this as a fuck you, not to the audience, but to the studio. The scene after the ambulance drivers hit the cow, where you have Richard Brake literally sitting there in an almost two minute long uncut shot, screaming fuck repeatedly, and it just doesn't stop. Because that's I'm thinking, necessary, right? And then this film also makes the biggest cheat you can possibly make. That, okay, it's, it, it's kind of following the set, the second original film where, you know, she's in the hospital, he's being stalked. And then, oh, the first 45 minutes were a dream. Okay, uh, I'm willing to go with that, except for what about all the stuff that actually happened? Like, we find out that the paramedics really were killed, and, and some of this stuff was a dream and some wasn't. But there's no distinction between them because Rob Zombie doesn't know how to fucking write. The thing with Halloween 2 that I kind of wonder was that because it was more or less dropped in his lap, hey, do this movie and, uh, you know, we'll let you do whatever movie you want. It's very possible that, like, it's obvious he didn't want to do it. And consequently, he made a movie that he didn't want to do. And I wonder if the reasoning behind making it so all over the place and silly and ridiculous and, and is that maybe he was like, all right, well, let me see what I can get away with. You know, let me see what I can do and just screw all this up and see if, uh, you know, the studio goes with it. Cause it just doesn't feel like it's something that he genuinely had his heart in. I mean, he, he said he didn't want to do it and they really forced his hand in order to do it. So I wonder if maybe this was, Hey, let me just do this and make it a complete pile of crap and maybe they won't be on me to make another one. Mission succeeded. But no, yeah. they're working on, well, now they are working on, well, they've been working on Halloween 3 for a while. I mean, not with no, him. No, Halloween but... 3 has been canceled. They're rebooting it again. Oh, of course oh. they are. Why not? Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah, this is, it, it's a pretty terrible film. I mean, I know I've, I hated on the Devil's Rejects, um, but uh, this really was such a mess. And it, it's clear that uh, Rob Zombie did not want to make this movie. I think it's it's clear in just about every frame of this film. The characters are all detestable. He hates Loomis, apparently, um, to the yeah. point that he made him a bumbling buffoon. Yeah, I mean, what was the point of half of his scenes? He's running around doing a marketing thing for most of this bloody film. Then turns up at the end and gets killed immediately. Well, you know, <laughs> round of applause. <laughs> it's, 
I, I can even forgive the the whole kind of flashback thing. There's ways you can sort of read into that and uh, make it kind of work, but it involves an awful lot of mental gymnastics on behalf of the audience. I kind of get the feeling that this was Rob Zombie basically trying to sink this for good. It certainly feels like that. I don't think he had want, um, any interest in doing anything else, and I kind of think he didn't want to really get blackmailed to do it again and yeah maybe that's partly a reaction to how people reacted to the first film i, I kind of get that feeling that he was he almost did it as a as a fuck you to the audience it's like okay if you didn't like it great let's kill it off job done move on and that, that's that's the most charitable i could be about that film it is almost uniformly awful with a whole bunch of characters that you just don't like again you know and yeah yeah the sherry moon zombie Mother coming back from the grave stuff is, it's like how some weird bastardization of a soap commercial kind of thing. Yes. It's really, really bizarre. And it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't do a damn thing. And I don't know what the hell he was thinking other than (laughs) I want to get rid of this for good. And like I say, you know, job done. I think, um, I think he's, he's sunk it and the idea of there being another reboot. Hollywood will never learn its lessons until mm. it goes bankrupt, but that's completely another subject. Halloween 2 wasn't the only movie Rob Zombie released in 2009. He also released direct-to-video an animated film called The Haunted, Wo- Haunted World of El Superbisto. Is not terrible. It's not good, but it's not terrible. This is, and I think I'm, I'm hitting it right on the nose, this is Rob Zombie saying, you know what, I can make a Ralph Bakshi movie. Because that's what this movie is. This is what if Ralph Bakshi directed a Rob Zombie movie instead of the other uh, way around. Like I said, it's not terrible, but it's not good either. Never even knew it existed, actually. I might want to check that one out. It actually sounds like fun. I had it on my DVR for the longest time, and I never watched it. <laughs> Glenn Superbisto. Am I the only one who's I, watched this movie? Sounds like it. Actually, uh, what I have seen of it, uh, and I've seen about mm, 45 minutes of it um, in the time that I've had to actually go through all this stuff. It's interesting to see uh, Rob Zombie in a form that really kind of lends itself to him, to his style. To his he actually looks like he's having fun. I mean, this yeah. has got some fun moments in it, it being a cartoon. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to pretend that it's uh, my kind of sense of humor. Um, I did have a few giggles along the way as it was going through, but it's it's nice to see him actually working with a form that allows him to do a lot of the sorts of things that he wants to do without the limitations of um, budget that um, a live-action film kind of presents. So in that respect, yeah, it, it doesn't 100% work for me, but I can see it working for quite a lot of people. I, I think particularly being, you know, I'm British, it's, my sense of humour is possibly a bit different, and I think that's the only place it really sort of tripped up with me. It's a little inconsistent, it's a little bit kind of, it's a little bit all over the place, but that's kind of fine in some respects. It kind of works in terms of the kind of person that he is and the kind of humor that he is, because I do believe he does have a sense of humor despite some of the stuff that goes on in in his films. Well, then, then in 2010, he directed an episode of CSI Miami, episode 
the episode was titled L.A., because of course he's got to link it back to Los Angeles, as everything does. This time, he had almost no control. He said his time on CSI Miami was the worst three weeks of his professional career. One, they wouldn't let him really do anything because it had to look like a CSI episode. He had no control over the script, and he and David Caruso did not get along for a second. You can see a few touches in this episode of him. Like, there's a rape scene that happens early on where Nosferatu is playing in the background. He's got his regular standard players. I mean, you've got William Forsyth, Sherry Moon, and Malcolm McDowell all showing up in this. This was a very clear work-for-hire. This His name might be on it, but you don't see much of Rob Zombie's style on this. I don't even watch CSI. I saw about 40 seconds of it. I mean, I absolutely despise CSI anyway. Um, I can't, I can't watch much of it, but what I did see of the episode, there's little visual snippets of, um, Rob Zombie stuff, but not much because I mean, the whole, the whole format is so heavily locked down it, that there's very little that anybody can do when they're invited to do this thing. I mean, to be honest with you, the whole series, not just that series, many other series, of that kind, that sort of franchise series, it's a machine. It's it's all a machine. So any talent that goes in there is basically formed into this sort of McDonald's burger kind of arrangement and told to go out there and shit out some fries. Well, he did just that. Now I've never I've never seen this one, but then he directed a live comedy special from Tom Papa. Never heard of Tom Papa before. Rob Zombie directed a comedy special, which is literally just stand-up comedy. I can't imagine a, much of his style made it his way into a stand-up comics show. <laughs> Has anyone seen this? No, I haven't seen I have it. But, no, I mean, but I, I can imagine there was probably some old horror film being projected into the background. Before we get to Lords of Salem, which would be his next film, he was tasked at this point with making The Blob. He was going to remake The Blob, and that didn't happen. And I think Thank God. what he wanted to do with it, because, again, he wanted to take it in another direction, shows just how limited Rob Zombie is when it comes to imagination. His version of The Blob would have been a slasher film. The Blob crashes on Earth, and the gelatinous blob jumps from body to body as it uses your body to go on a killing spree. It's basically like The Hidden meets Jason Goes to Hell and called The Blob, which I think shows just how limited his thinking is, that he can't make anything that's not essentially a slasher film. So, But then he actually made Lords of Salem. Dethroned Halloween 2 for me as the worst horror film I've ever seen. Lords of Salem became the worst horror film I've ever seen. <laughs> My God, is this a detestable movie. It's supposed to be a throwback to late 70s Italian exploitation, so the Fulci and Argento and Castellari and all that. And I can mm. see stylistically he captures some of that. But I think out of all of his movies, this has the biggest list of the most detestable characters ever. I mean, these are the worst written, most horrifyingly evil people ever. And I'm talking about the good guys. <laughs> I'm talking about the ones we're supposed to follow. Lords of Salem is so incompetent. The story makes no sense. There is there is nothing of value in this movie. This is one of the most worthless films I have ever had the unfortunate horror to have sat through. It stinks, and I don't like it. Basically, it yeah, it's an it's an Argento film. If Argento had zero fucking subtlety. Like, the style is kind of there. The color is there. It's it's very much in the same vein of, like, Inferno meets Suspiria or something. The whole witch's coven thing. 
which you know that that can be cool. Those were cool movies back in the back in the seventies and, and early eighties. Those like weird slow burn sort of psychedelic funky uh, horror movies, and I love those. I'm a I'm a total fanboy for Argento, but this was shit. The the characters like Sherry Moon's character. You just within the first ten minutes, you just want to see her get strangled. Like it's it's just such an annoying. Fucking I've never character. wanted to punch a woman more than her. <laughs> and there's like just the. The scares that they try to do in the movie, like there's that scene where she's in her apartment. What is it? Like, I think it's the light goes out or something, then it goes back on. And then suddenly there's like someone just sitting on her counter, like right behind her or something. And there's a big booming sting that's meant to like scare the shit out of you. And it, it doesn't because it's fucking stupid. It's bad. And I was, I was honestly looking forward to it. Cause I was like, okay, finally Rob Zombie's done with these shitty Halloween movies. We can get back to the, you know, the same speed as stuff like how's Rob Zombie making a witch movie sounds good. That sounds really cool. I was like, Fuck, I'm actually looking forward to this. Like, this this looks like it could be pretty fun. And, you know, it might actually redeem those shitty Halloween remakes. And we might go back to some of the groovy stuff like, you know, House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. But, but no, this is this is the continuation of him shitting his pants and limping his way to, to any any toilet in the area. He's still dripping that shit out of his ass. And this is a continuation of it. It's horrible. God damn it. Like, the, his... Lack of any any writing talent really showcases heavily in this one. Everybody is a piece of shit. Just an unlikable pile of human garbage that was shot nicely. Uh, I'm with Peter. I was uh, initially really excited because, you know, he did Halloween 1 and 2, and that was, all right, you know, he got the remakes out of his system. And, you know, thinking back to uh, Devil's Rejects, all right, you know, we could get back onto the original Rob Zombie stuff, and uh, maybe he kind of learned a few lessons, and uh, he'll make something good. And my biggest problem with Lords of Salem, I, I didn't, you know, I don't know, I guess I have a higher, higher tolerance for asshole characters, but um, my biggest problem was that it was just so ungodly boring just Mm. it was a lot of shots of nothing happening and i love really good slow burn horror films i love it when they'll set up a shot and and just uh, the pacing is on and it just gives this feeling of dread but this it was just so boring it was uh sherry moon zombie very slowly walking down the hallway You know, there was somebody in a goat mask, and uh, it just it kind of plodded along, and I like could not wait for it to be over. I, I, you know, it did look good, and I guess the one thing that did annoy me, like it wasn't so much annoying characters, was just that their really bad interpretation of like radio DJs. Where they're like, oh, we're going to be do- playing as you're, and they're doing all kinds of wacky noises and stuff. I did not, uh, I did not like it at all. And I was very, very disappointed and very sad. Uh, it's one of those films that I really wish I could enjoy. I'm a big fan of psychological horrors. Films that really sort of get behind the eyes of the characters and uh, take you into their world and you see that world as they see it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of get the feeling that this was what this was supposed to be. But the problem is um, it, it can't pull it off because there isn't the coherent story underneath. There are basically a couple of things that seem to be going on. You have this witch stuff going on, which sort of suggests um, some kind of commentary on, on femininity, uh, which it often does. And then you've got this other thing going on, which is Sherry Moon's drug addiction. And these two <laughs> massive things that are going on don't seem to mesh they just they just clash. she also has white girl dreadlocks yeah 
I, I, I will I will let that go for the purposes. Of this. I actually but, forgot uh, about that. Oh my god, yeah. she looked fucking ridiculous, man. But it's just it doesn't manage to really kind of pull off anything like the psychological point of view. It doesn't manage to pull off any um, any particular subtext because there's too many things going on. None of which, as I recall, were resolved. So again, yeah, I mean, if you're going to go to, with something as complicated as that is potentially going to be. You've got to have some bloody strong writing behind it. I mean, it's got interesting visuals and all that kind of stuff, but that's pretty much all it's got. And even without, you know, particularly because it hasn't got the violence that he's well known for in the in the same kind of quantities and the same sort of pacing, it just runs really, really flat. It's bloody hard work to sit through. I was going to watch it a second time to see if I could actually pick up on the... Um, uh, the point of it all, but I just couldn't face doing it. Because <laughs> there is no point to it. Well, and then Rob Zombie, he he directed something called the Zombie Horror Picture Show, which was just one of his live concerts. He's a huge Rocky Horror Picture Show fan. He has references in almost all of his movies. But then he crowdfunded, and I have issues with this because he's got a personal worth of over $30 million. So someone like that saying, I don't want to use my money to make my movie, I'll use your money, I find despicable when people like him and Spike Lee and that that are worth millions of dollars crowdfund. Yeah. This is Crowdfunding is for people who don't have millions of dollars that they can spend, you arrogant prick. But yeah. he crowdfunded the movie 31. It's a bad movie. It's better than Lords of Salem and Halloween 2, so that's something. On paper, this should work. Rob Zombie remaking The Running Man in the 70s? That should have been a home run. It's not. This movie, I don't know if it's because of the relatively low budget. The whole movie is shot in super close-up while the cameraman is being f***ed in the ass by a gorilla. <laughs> Because the camera never stops shaking, it never stops moving, there's probably an edit every eight seconds to a different camera angle. The fight scenes are so, are so inconclusive until they finally do a pullout shot at the end of almost all of the battle scenes. I couldn't tell who was being stabbed. And <laughs> nothing is established in this film. At one point, Meg Foster's character gets killed and they go, oh my god, they killed Venus! And I went, who's Venus? Oh, that was her. Well, maybe if you'd mentioned her name once in the movie before, I'd have had a little emotional attachment to her. These are all vile, horrible people. Nothing is explained. The, the people setting up this Running Man tournament have, like, this glowing neon pentagram table, and they're placing bets with, with giant doubloons that are worth a million dollars apiece, and they're wearing 17th century British powder puff wigs, and then they have this staff <laughs> of naked people, and then and then they rip off Rocky Horror Picture Show when, when they eat one of the other victims inside a glass table, and get it's got a Nazi midget that only speaks Spanish. What the f*** did I watch? I wanted to like this movie because really the, the concept is actually kind of cool. Yeah, it's, it's like a weirdo version of The Running Man, like a, more of like an exploitation-infused one. I definitely didn't uh, hate it as much as I hated uh, Lords of Salem, Halloween 2, and Halloween 1. I don't think the characters were as big of assholes as his characters usually are. They were kind of prick-like. Like they were, they were okay. I could stomach most of these characters. They weren't as douchebaggy as as the characters in Godforsaken Lords of Salem was. But the problem with this film, it's not so much the okay. The writing was pretty bad. We suffered the usual every couple of seconds that we usually get from Rob Zombie. But the writing was not the fault here. It was uh, something that usually isn't a fault of 
of a Rob Zombie film, and that was the cinematography. The camera movement was was horrible. Even scenes when when characters are simply speaking to each other, the camera was kind of you know jittering and moving and stuff. And and yeah, during fight scenes, I feel like something cool was probably happening. I just couldn't see it. It was so horribly close up and shaking and constantly just jittering and jacking around. It was a hard movie to sit through because of that. And I feel like if it was just shot a little bit better, I, I honestly, honest to God, could have probably enjoyed this film. It was, it was difficult. It was actually difficult to fucking sit through and focus on an action sequence, which usually in an action movie, this is your driving force, a cool action scene, something that's well choreographed and, you know, really hits an impact point and you, you see some cool, uh, you know, choreography in a fight scene and, and a dynamic angle and stuff like that. And you know, this is why James Cameron's movies and even Michael Bay's like more action oriented films like, uh, like physical action oriented films like The Rock or Pain and Gain are so good because he's so good at shooting an action scene. And it seemed like Rob Zombie knew what he was doing in terms of like composition and, and lining up a shot. And actually he is good with, uh, doing like lingering still shots and stuff. He showed that off in Lords of Salem. Unfortunately, it was such a bad fucking movie, but you'd think he would have utilized some, some of this. In a movie like 31, which is very action heavy, which is a lot of action sequences and characters survive fighting their way out of this situation, but you can't see a fucking thing. Like there's that scene where that weird, like Harley Quinn knockoff chick is, is going to try to stab the guy and the lights constantly keep flickering. Uh, you just can't see anything. There's, and there's a chainsaw scene and there's a character that gets stabbed and you have no fucking clue who was stabbed until, as Josh said, they actually announce the name, like they have to tell you through exposition. This is a poorly done film. It, it wasn't a, a well, like obviously, it was not a well done film. I wanted to like it. I feel like it had a cool premise. It also suffers from a mistake I think filmmakers are making now in uh, in contemporary Hollywood films is that they're they've gone from shooting in 24 frames per second and are now shooting in 30 and above so it has that very fast look to it which is why I didn't like these new Hobbit movies which is why I part of why I didn't like this movie either our eyes are not meant to fucking see in 30 frames per second you shoot a film in 30 frames per second you're fucking isolating human beings which are the people who watch your fucking movies 31 on paper, it sounds fantastic. Rob Zombie's the running man. I mean, we've already kind of covered all this. And it just, it keeps, it seems like the Lords of Salem, it was like everything was, oh, that sounds like it should be great. You know, oh, Rob Zombie is a fan of Halloween doing a Halloween movie. This should be great. And it's not great. Oh, Rob <laughs> Zombie doing a, a witch movie that's a, a throwback to the old uh, Giallo films. This should be great. And it's not great. Rob Zombie's <laughs> uh, running man should be great. And it's not great. Like Peter said, though, the biggest problem with the whole movie is the the shaky cam. If you can't see anything you, in this movie, you, like I could deal. I don't give a crap. The people are, you know, annoying. It's derivative. It's stupid. If I could actually see what was going on, it would have increased my enjoyment of it exponentially. But because every time there was an action sequence, you had no idea what was going on. And even in times when they were just standing around, the cameras moving all over the place, and it just it it keeps me not engaged. With with it and I lose interest and I'm sitting there and I'm annoyed. I can't understand why he chose this. He's never used that format in any one of his movies before. Why would he decide all of a sudden shaky cam is the way to go? He's because he said that because of the the, the guerrilla nature of the movie because it was crowdfunded and all that that he felt like they should do it, you know, on like this way. No. Like it was a bad idea. 
and he shouldn't have done that. And as far as your your rant about the uh, the crowdfunding thing, it it comes down to this. I don't remember who said it, but there was uh, somebody who said, "Never spend your own money unless you have to." I think that uh, it was a bad movie. It wasn't as good, or I'm sorry, it wasn't as bad as Lords of Salem. I still think that's his worst film, but I think that this was probably his most disappointing because I was like, all right, he's learning. He's going back to basics. He's going to make kind of an action horror film. He's got a really great cast. Oh, and it just, it just really stunk. Yeah, where to start? I mean, basically my Rob Zombie um, bingo card was filled up probably within the first half hour of the film. Noxious characters, you know. White, white stuff, trash aesthetics, Sherry trash. Moon's butt. Yeah, yeah. I actually, in the notes that I made for all of these films, every film had Sherry Moon's ass as a comment at least three times, I think. Um, <laughs> what, uh, yeah, it's a film that should have been able to work a lot better than it did. I think um, certainly there was budgetary problems with what ended up on the screen. You can't see a lot of what's going on. I've watched it twice before doing this um, this podcast. Biggest problem I had was that scene where um, you got the two chainsaw guys and they actually you eventually get to the fight. Then one of them falls. Somebody falls on the chainsaw. And even the second time around, I was watching that. And even though I knew. What was going on? I was still thinking, what's going on? It's it's so visually confusing. I kind of enjoyed the film to some extent when it got down to business. The run-up to it is... It's, it's typical of uh, Rob Zombie's films. There's a bunch of characters who are pretty obnoxious. That's another one for the bingo card, is just obnoxious characters. You kind of sat there just having to trawl through this stuff, just wishing that they would get on with it. And, you know, when it gets on with it, 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 it gets weird. I, I don't understand this whole kind of, uh, and I'm probably going to get called up on it, or the Renaissance costumes. I, I don't entirely know what period it is. But uh, all that kind of stuff going on, which is very flamboyant, and then it goes into this sort of uh, gutter-looking visuals that are with the shaky cam and the colour-corrected images that look like, you know, it looks like the film stock's been dragged through a, through a gutter bit of a trope that I have a problem with everything looking very green all the time and by the time it gets round to the end you I thought the ending was extraordinarily mean-spirited I, to the point that I kind of went, well, what was the point of all of this? I mean, as much as I hate those characters, um, I, I wasn't quite sure why they were being put through the mill like this and, and talking characters um, they, they are kind of inconsistent as well You've got Sherry Moon Zombie wandering around and suddenly she becomes a badass and then she becomes the damsel in distress. Then she becomes the badass. It's like kind of, you know, pick one. Well, and then uh, I, I think an example of him not understanding how to write characters is when we see Doomhead, actually really well played by Richard Brake, before he's called on to, you know, go into the maze, he's having a very violent sex scene with Ginger Lynn. And, and he turns out to be a complete asshole, and he treats her like crap. What would have raised eyebrows would have been if he was very nice to her and very sweet, and then when she, she was like, where are you going? He would have been, I have to go to work, honey. And then we see this dark side come out, not, no, he's an asshole, just straight up. Yeah, I yeah, that's that, been you know, done so many times, though. But it would have been different for Rob Zombie is what I'm saying. Exactly, He could have yeah. pulled the rug out from under us is my point, Cecil. 
Yeah. But he didn't. He went down, He like Glenn had a checklist. He just went through the Rob Zombie checklist throughout this whole movie. When he gave us opportunities where I'm like, are you gonna? No, you're not. Damn it. <laughs> it's, it's such a shame. It's such a thrown away opportunity. It is a film that he should have been able to do. Because let's face it, even in a worst case scenario, the story to something like this is so simple it's it's get them to the violence and important through the violence and uh, and that's done and one of the most annoying tropes that this film really throws up is the killer's um platitudes the like the opening speech that goes on and every time uh doomhead gets a chance to sort of sit down and uh talk to his victims it's this stream of very predictable pseudo intellectual uh, yeah yeah, and it, it just, it's almost painful to sit through, to be honest with you. Um, although I was amused by the fact that that's the thing that kind of undoes him at the end. That, that kind of made me laugh. He's just, just kind of doing all that pseudo intellectual spiel, like you say, and he runs out of time. Um, it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I, I thought that was a nice little bit of humor, but that I don't was think actually it was funny, to... yeah. Yeah, it wasn't enough to save the film, though. But um, I did appreciate that moment at the very least. Well, and this being Rob Zombie's last film, his next film has been announced with a tentative title called Raised Eyebrows. He's doing a biopic of Groucho Marx. I'm not sure if Rob Zombie is the right person to do a biopic of Groucho Marx. <laughs> I mean, is Groucho Marx going to start saying fuck more in this movie than he ever had in real life? I don't know. I don't know. Rob Zombie, I know he loves the Marx Brothers. I don't know if he's right for a biopic of Groucho Marx. Well, in the Here? words of William Forsythe in Devil's Rejects, fuck Groucho! Yeah, I think considering his um, lack of... Um, talent when it comes to presenting a character trying to present a real life character i think it's going to be an interesting challenge for him it could go one of two ways he's either going to have it handed to him on a plate if he just basically goes verbatim with what's out there or i don't know maybe groucho Marx will turn out to be a psychopathic killer with absolutely no redeeming qualities it's a possibility so, so I look at Rob Zombie's movie career as he's got a great visual style. And at first I thought, well, maybe that's not his style. Maybe that's he's got great cinematographers. I went and looked up all of his movies. He's only used the same cinematographer on two different films, and they were a couple of years apart. I'd say that style is Rob Zombie's, which also is the same visual style he had on his music videos, which again reinforces that. So I think he has a great visual style, and I think if he had a good script that he had no hand in, I'm not talking like a CSI Miami. I mean, like, if all of a sudden a really brilliant script came across his desk and he directed it, that could finally be the good Rob Zombie movie we've been looking for. Because his biggest Achilles heel is that he has to write all of his own movies. And he just does not understand how bad of a writer he really is. We'll always have House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. Yeah, I'm pretty much the same way. I think that uh, you know, he started off really strong, and uh, money got thrown at him, and I don't know what the hell happened. I kind of agree with you, Josh, in that he needs a writer. He needs a writer that he can rely on, a writer that he can work with. Uh, he has the skill set when it comes to visual aspects, and if he's got that decent budget and a really good writer, I think he could make a fantastic film. And I hope to see that because I don't, I don't like hating on the guy. I kind of like the guy. So I think, um, yeah. get those things done. 
um, at least oh, try yeah. it I, out. I, I, I look at him in interviews and whatnot, and I'm like, this is a guy who loves the horror genre. This is the kind of guy I would love to just sit, have dinner with, and just discuss horror movies. Mm. Mm-hmm. He seems like such a nice guy. Yeah. But, but, but that doesn't carry over into me saying he's a good filmmaker, because he's not. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a real shame. It's a wasted opportunity. And I hope he can do it before everybody gives up on him. Because he's got fans out there, he's still got fans out there, um, and I personally would love to see him kick out a really good film that's well-written, that's interesting, could hopefully become a classic. You know who does make classics around here? Peter Gajic. Where can people find him? You can find me being being a living classic, an instant hit on uh, YouTube, The Cinemasochist, on Twitter at Zinematica, on Facebook, The Cinemasochist. You can find me over at 1201beyond.com and on the Grindhouse channel where I've been uh, putting out some articles lately. And Cecil is one of those guys you want to hate, but you just can't. So it's the opposite of a Rob <laughs> Zombie written character. Nobody <laughs> we find wants Cecil? to hate me. What are you talking about? <laughs> hey, you, you have a fake Instagrammer, man. I do have a fake Instagram that's been around since 2013. <laughs> Oh, and you just found and out I about it. I just found out. Well, they only have like 30 followers or something, but still, it's uh, it's very weird. So, <laughs> Well, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at escapistmagazine.com. You can find me at goodbadflix.com, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, I also have a Twitch channel that I forgot I should. <laughs> I mean, not that I forgot, but I forgot that I'm like, hey, I should probably promote that too, considering that I'm on there, you know, uh, enough. And uh, yeah, and uh, there's a fake person out there on Instagram. Don't follow them. <laughs> and then... And then Glenn Criddle being our guest, you you are the longtime genre actor that gets killed in the third act. Where can we find you? <laughs> you can find me on YouTube at SlumpyMan101 and uh, CynicalTotallyLoid.com and uh, Grindhouse Channel and, frankly, Green Bay. And, um, well, you know, if you find me in real life, please don't kill me. We'll see. You can find me at 1201beyond.com. You can contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Guys, have a happy Halloween and keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night. Use my body to keep you alive.
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.